ready to get down to business? Join seasoned entrepreneur, community leader, and Army veteran Scott Shalom Klein, who will take you behind the scenes with those who work in America's small business scene and speak with leaders making an impact, creating jobs, and telling their story in entrepreneurship. So let's get down to business. On AM560, The Answer, here's your host, Shalom Klein. And indeed, we're all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Kleiner. You can always download podcasts on my website at sykline.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. So let's jump right in. Today's conversation we're going to kick off with is super exciting to me. Uh, many of our listeners know I'm an avid traveler, both on the personal side as well as uh, some of my uh, journeys, both uh, on, in, in work as well as uh, in the Army, uh, brought me to a lot of places, but not as many as our guest. Boris Kester is an author, a fearless adventurer, is a senior purser, an avid sportsman, programmer, and political science. He's one of about 250 people worldwide to have traveled. Listen to this, to every country in the world. It's absolutely crazy. Boris ranks among the best traveled people on the planet. He's the author of a brand new book, which we are going to talk about in just a moment. Boris Kester, it's an honor to have you on the program. Thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you, Shalom, for having me. And uh, thanks for inviting me. Uh, really looking forward to the next, what, 10 minutes? So let's get <laughs> Absolutely. started. Absolutely. We won't even have time for, uh, for a second for each of, the, uh, for each of these uh, countries that you visited. 193 countries in the world, and you have visited them all. Uh, Boris, really, really excited. So what made you decide to visit all countries in the world? Um, so, well, it started when I was five months old and uh, my, my parents took me traveling. Um, I wasn't really aware of it. I mean, I couldn't talk, I couldn't walk, but I was already traveling. And um, and we, we basically never stopped. So when I when and I always, uh, when I was a little bit older, I always kept track of the countries I've been to. So I was basically counting the countries. And then later when I was an adult, I started traveling by myself. I always made sure to um, to go to countries I hadn't been to before. So, you know, you, you're not born with the desire to visit every country in the world, but uh, it just grows on you. So so um, it was when I had visited like 117 countries that I suddenly decided like, you know what, why don't I just go for them all? And um uh, it, it still seemed pretty daunting back then because I, I had countries like Afghanistan and, uh, and Iraq and Somalia on, on, on the list that where I had to go. So, but, um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Well, perfect segue, perfect segue, Boris. I, I'm curious. I know our listeners will be wondering what was the hardest country to visit? Was it one of those that you just named? Uh, nope. <laughs> no. For, for, well, uh, for me, the country, the, the hardest country to visit was uh, Equatorial Guinea. Um, now your readers might not know where that is. It's it's in basically Central Africa on, on the western side. Uh, and it's, it's it was hard for me because it, it's like it was next to impossible to get a visa. So it took a lot of effort to get the visa. And then again, it took a lot of additional effort to actually cross the border because even with the visa in hand um, it was like a nightmare to uh, to get in uh, now this is depending on on your nationality for I think they just uh, skipped it or they just abolished it but until recently for instance US passport holders could in could get in for, for without a visa at all so so for them Equatorial Guinea was was super easy 
Um, wild, wild. I'm chatting with Boris Kester, who again uh, is ranked as among the best traveled people on the planet. He's visited every one of the 193 countries on around the globe. And uh, he writes about his travel adventures, his stories, and there's a lot of them. We'll, we'll have a couple of minutes to talk about some of them, as well as some photos on his website, traveladventures.org. Um, but he's also written a book. Um, before we get to the book, um, Boris, I mean, you visited all countries in the world. So what's next for you? You mean in terms of travel? Um, yeah. There's, oh, there's still so many. Actually, the list of places I want to go to is, is only growing. It's not shrinking. So, so no, no, my, my life will be too short to, to do and see everything I want to do. Um, so basically, my travel is, is, uh, is fueled by curiosity and, and curiosity doesn't die. So uh, I may have visited every country but it doesn't mean i can't revisit them and and oh my god there's so many places i need to i i need i want to see before um maybe before i'm not able to to travel anymore so um yeah yeah um, i talk about that with my wife all the time we've we've been fortunate to travel many places and there's definitely places on the list that we're like great we saw it it's fantastic you know had a glimpse of it um and we're good but then there's places that it only uh, sort of makes you itch to want to see more and explore more and wish you had more time that it's time to book that next trip. Um, and you write about your, uh, you write about your stories. It's a fantastic, fantastic read. What's your book called and what should our listeners expect if they picked up a copy? So my book is called The Long Road to Colorville. Um, shortly, if, if you want, I will explain the title. Please. <laughs> um, it is a, um, I do not describe every country in the world because I simply don't believe you can, you can do justice to countries by, uh, by putting nearly 200 countries in one book. But uh, so I concentrate on, on 16 uh, stories, which are just those stories that I would tell at a birthday party or, or when people are, are, are curious. Uh, and the underlying theme is, is basically the answer uh, to a question that many people ask me like, Aren't you insane to to visit all those dangerous places? And um, so I'm basically looking into like what what was really dangerous and what 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 went wrong, what what went right? Because you 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 always have expectations before going somewhere, and then reality on the ground can, can be totally different. So um, so my uh, my book is basically an answer to that, um, and I do so through stories from uh, from Yemen, from Afghanistan, from. Uh, the Central African Republic, uh, from the South Pacific, uh, and, and other countries and other regions. Absolutely. Uh, again, chatting with Boris Kester, the author of The Long Road to Colville, Stories from My Travels to Every Country in the World. Boris, um, you know, I, I love to hear stories from people like yourself, but I know you talk in the book about meeting some pretty amazing people along the way. Who is the most memorable person you've met on your travels? Oh wow! <laughs> um, that, that that's like that that's such a difficult question because I met so many people. Uh, look, I, I my my preferred way of travel is to to do it independently, which basically means that I mostly travel either with just by myself or with my partner. And when you do so, you you meet so many people. So, um, ooh, um well, one let's say one guy that comes to mind right now is. Uh, is someone I met in, in on a small island in uh, in Kiribati in the South, South Pacific, uh, who made me rethink um, geography 
because he was asking me questions about my country, which he, he had never heard of. And it made me realize that his world was so completely different from mine. So um, he, he kind of opened my mind. And, and yeah, it was a very interesting, I mean, hard to explain in, 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 just, uh, in just a short, short while, but um, I actually um, uh, describe him in my book. So um, if, you, if you read the, the relevant chapter on, on the South Pacific, you will you'll read the story. Well, we're definitely going to get to making sure our listeners find your book and get on your website because you've got so much information and so many amazing, inspiring stories. And uh, I know that there's fellow avid travelers, um, both interested in the business side of things, small business, entrepreneurship, and the opportunities that happen when you become sort of that global uh, entrepreneur, um, but also people that want to do it for fun. And so I'm curious in both of those categories, I mean, Boris, what, what advice would you have for fellow travelers that maybe want to see the entire world? Any, any lessons learned that you can maybe save us time and uh, avoid some of those mistakes that perhaps you made along the way too? <laughs> um, I think my, my first advice would be to, uh, to, to, to take it slow. I mean, I, I, I'm in, involved in a few communities and I, I see some people, uh, let's say, chasing uh, every country. So they're also trying to visit every country in the world. Uh, and sometimes I see people traveling, like staying one day here, one day there, and then ticking off countries like a few in a week. Uh, and I mean, I can understand it from a point of efficiency <laughs> and you want to do it fast. But on the other hand, uh, it also means that you lose out on so much. So, um, so my, my advice, my primary, primary advice would be to, uh, to, to not make the goal drive you too much and to just concentrate on what you're actually seeing and doing instead of racing through all those countries because you uh, most of those countries actually all the countries deserve more of your time yeah um, that's great advice absolutely that's great advice and and I mean I think that anybody that reads your stories will understand that you've you've dove in and I, as you said earlier you want to do even more of it Boris we're just about out of time and I want to make sure our listeners can get in touch with you and find your website and of course your book how can they do that so they can uh, follow me on my website, boriskester.com. Uh, they can sign up to the mailing list so you get, you get regular updates on uh, new developments. I'm actually working on a second book. Um, and uh, you can follow me on social media. Just search for Boris Kester and uh, surely you'll find me on, uh, on uh, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn and other channels. Fantastic. Boris Kester, really enjoyed our conversation. Can't wait to bring you on for the second book and of course follow your journeys. You're going to squeeze in a quick break here and get down to business. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to the show, All About Small Business, Jobs, and Entrepreneurship. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show, All About Small Business, Jobs, and Entrepreneurship. All businesses, we know that many small and medium-sized businesses were hit especially hard by the pandemic and its fallout. And a survey conducted in the early months of the pandemic found that mass layoffs and closures we're occurring for nearly half of small businesses. But now, while no longer shut down, small businesses continue to face challenges from world events and a shaky economy. That's why I'm bringing on our next guest, Michael Filios, who is the author of Tech Equity, How to Future Ready Your Small Business and Outperform Your Competition. That's something every one of our listeners wants and need. This book came out in May, and I've been super excited for the conversation. Michael, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Michael, I know you have quite a background as the founder and CEO of IT Ally, a business and technology advisory firm 
for family-owned and private equity-backed small and medium-sized businesses. Um, you are a former Fortune 500 global CIO, small business CFO, technology entrepreneur, and so on. The list goes on and on. So I am curious to understand your background, tech equity. How do you get interested in this topic? And if you don't mind, describe that phrase, tech equity, and why our small business owners should uh, should uh, be interested. Sure thing. Uh, so listen, uh, technology certainly has evolved over the past three decades that I've been in uh, in 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 the industry. And and today, whether you're large or small, all companies need to be thinking about how they leverage tech to create business value. Um, I think we saw examples of that, as you mentioned, through the pandemic, where many companies that didn't have uh, appropriate technology struggled um, to move to uh, remote workers and to support their organizations and deal with cybersecurity and all those things. So I coined this phrase tech equity largely to speak to business owners because we think about tech equity as an asset and something that if a company focuses on can really help to differentiate themselves against their competition and ultimately increase the value of their business. Absolutely. Wow. Fantastic. So you've divided components of tech equity into two camps, alpha and beta. So what's the difference and how do you decide which the company needs? Sure. Well, the, the simple answer is it's, it's both, um, but it's really more being about deliberately making these decisions around technology such that you can uh, evaluate the old investments in terms of what's going to be necessary to support your business. So when we think about alpha, just like the financial community would think about alpha, we think about investments in technology that are going to give you a greater return. So we provide examples of alpha that say, if you're going to make investments in technology, think about your customers. So if you're a business that really drives an enhanced customer experience, make sure those investments that you're doing in technology are focused on that. Uh, similarly, um, we also look at alpha such as data. Many companies today are becoming much more data centric and looking at data as an asset. So we put these kinds of categories in the alpha bucket because in our experience, when we work with companies, particularly when they're being sold, we see a premium on those companies if they're doing a good job in these two particular areas. Conversely, Absolutely. Yeah. I'm right. sorry. And conversely, on betas, it's really the opposite side of it. So think about how you structure your company, whether it be from an infrastructure standpoint or from a security standpoint. These are certainly necessary components, but um, uh, uh, think of them more as, as sort of the basics of what you need to have in, in terms of your organization. Absolutely. I'm chatting with Michael Filius, the founder and CEO of IT Ally, a business and technology advisory firm for family-owned and private equity-backed small and medium-sized businesses. He, his first book is called Tech Debt 2.0, How to Future-Proof Your Small Business and Improve Your Tech Bottom Line, and a new book, Tech Equity, How to Future-Ready Your Small Business and Outperform Your Competition. So, uh, Michael, you've got quite an interesting background and really appreciate your expertise on this topic. Can you give us an example of how a company decides how best to invest in technology? Absolutely. And, and part of the, the rationale here is, is the fact that I have been a CFO as well as a CIO and coming in from both sides of those uh, functional roles, I've seen companies either struggle with or be challenged with making uh, investment decisions around technology and that further is more complicated just because technology is, is changing so rapidly uh, and particularly for small businesses, they don't have the level of expertise uh, uh, inside their organizations perhaps to deal with all of this complexity. So the first thing we like to recommend is, is to make sure that when you're making technology investments, 
just keep in mind um, what you're trying to achieve from a business perspective, first and foremost. So if you're in a growth mode and you're a company that's looking to expand, you've got to make sure that your technology investments are commensurate to support that. Um, so it's pretty fundamental when we think about it. And we, we like to think about your technology asset as a portfolio, um, which should have a balance and a mix of things that are there to support protecting your organization in the, in the form of cybersecurity capabilities, but also driving efficiency and automating processes and making sure that you're, you're digitally sound, uh, particularly in today's uh, you know, uh, modern technology environment. Absolutely. Um, really, uh, really, really interesting. And I think that that's something that's relevant to many of our small business owners indeed. So I know you're really passionate about, uh, about this topic. And so I'm curious, what sort of an investment do small and medium-sized businesses need to make to stay future ready from your perspective? Yeah, it's another question where I think it, it's very situational depending on the nature of your business. Um, some companies today are, are completely online and digital. Um, therefore, their, their interactions with their customers need to be frictionless and need to be seamless and integrate with the way that they serve products and services to those entities. Um, I think there are certain industries that lend themselves more towards having technology uh, as an asset compared to others, more traditional businesses that perhaps might not look as tech um, in the same way. Uh, I would argue that, that in today's modern you know, contemporary companies, small or large, uh, certainly technology plays an integral role. Um, it means that the leadership uh, of those organizations, whether it be a, an individual founder or a family-owned business or a large corporation, need to really think through the way that they plan and execute their technology investments um, and make sure that, um, uh, first and foremost, they're in concert with their business objectives and also uh, helping them to achieve those goals uh, as that company grows. And ultimately in the private sector, um, when those businesses are sold, we're going to get the most valuation for those companies. Okay. Well, we're running out of time. And I, I, you talk about uh, a term which I found really, really interesting. And I know it's one of the pieces of advice that you recommend that every business have. And that's a tech equity influencer. Tech equity influencer. That's not one of the things that they teach in Small Business 101. So, uh, so that's why I wanted to talk about it over here. What is that tech equity influencer? And again, why does every business need to have one? Sure. I mean, again, it's a, a playoff of sort of today's uh, influencer role that we see often in social media. So inside of a company, a tech equity influencer could be the CFO. Often the CFO is, is concerned with cost reduction and making sure they're spending money in the right ways. And in many small businesses, the IT organization often reports to the CFO. So you need to make sure that you've got an influencer there on your side that's going to help you really understand those investments, support those investments, and not just think about IT as a necessary evil that we can just take cost out of. Similarly, we work a lot in private equity, as you mentioned. Uh, influencers can also come from your business owners and, and investors um, that if they are more in tune with technology and understand the value of technology, they can really help you drive investments that are going to help to increase your business value, which ultimately is what private equity firms do. They buy and sell companies. So influencers can be within your organization. They can be outside of your organization. And it's just important to know who those stakeholders are and bring them into the conversation and, and ensure that they are um, aligned and fully supporting what it is you're trying to accomplish from a tech perspective. Absolutely. I've been chatting 
with Michael Filios, the founder and CEO of IT Ally. Um, and again, the new book is called Tech Equity, How to Future Ready Your Small Business and Outperform Your Competition. Michael, how can we get in touch with you and your team and, uh, of course, pick up a copy of the book? Sure. Well, you can certainly visit us online at itallyllc.com. There you can find information on our company and our services and, of course, the thought leadership uh, that you reference with the uh, books and other tools that we make available. We also have the itallyinstitute.org, which is another entity that um, leverages a lot of our researches and publications to support uh, our target audience. And personally, you can reach me at michael.filios.com at itallyllc.com. Awesome. Fantastic. Michael, really enjoyed our conversation. Appreciate appreciate you coming on the program. Uh, I'll be sure to link in the show notes. And uh, again, looking forward to following uh, you as you probably move on to a third book as well. You've got some great uh, insight and information. So again, thanks so much for joining us. We've got to squeeze in a quick break. We've got some headlines, commercials, um, before we come back with lots more small business jobs and entrepreneurship. But be sure to check out our sponsors, Tom Mirabali. Uh, from healthplanchicago.com. He's your health insurance guru. And you can reach him at 630-863-3477, 630-863-3477, or his website, healthplanchicago.com, for everything health insurance and Affordable Care Act related. Again, a quick break here on the show all about, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, this show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Super duper excited for this conversation. One and only Buki Musaku who is the founder and CEO of London-based Diverse City Think Tank, a workplace bias and diversity and inclusion consultancy. He's one of the world's foremost bias navigation experts, and he has written a new book, I Don't Understand, Navigating Unconscious Bias in the Workplace. Buki Musaku, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Great to be here. Absolutely. We know that unconscious bias in the workplace is a thing. And our small business owners tuning in certainly want to get after some of these issues. So I always love to get to know the person behind the microphone. Book, you have quite the reputation. How did you get into this line of work and what's kept you interested and engaged throughout, uh, throughout that time? Well, look, you know, I was in consulting and I was consulting all over the world through another business, which was focused around communication and um, I observe in, in the process of that, I came across uh, racial bias to, you know, that I, I experienced. But also I looked at I, I was exposed to the ways in which unconscious bias was addressed in organizations, big, large and small. And um, I felt that um, not enough attention was allocated to equipping people with skills to navigate it. And also from my perspective, um, I said I was, you know, I was experienced racial bias. Sometimes it was mine, but sometimes it was towards me. But other times it was towards the majority. And I didn't realize at the time. And so I really couldn't understand it. So I was confused. Hence the name of the book. I don't understand navigating unconscious bias in the workplace. Absolutely. So, Buki, one of the things that I know our listeners are curious about, regardless of what size business they are privileged to be a part of, is how unconscious bias affects employees, but frankly, impacts the entire organization. Yeah, look, you know what? Unconscious bias, uh, um, you know, affects uh, well-being, it affects output, it affects uh, productivity. If you are in a team 
it be it part of a team or you run it, you're a people manager, right? You will have people from different backgrounds, uh, different personalities, different regions, different ethnicities. And so uh, uh, um, having a, a harmonious and cohesive unit drives productivity and performance. An unconscious bias, that is unconscious discrimination, uh, um, can affect that seriously and reduce productivity. Organizations in the States are losing half, over half a billion dollars a year due to disengagement uh, uh, related to unconscious bias. So that just gives you an idea. That's a staggering statistic. I'm chatting with Buki Musaka, the author of I Don't Understand Navigating Unconscious Bias in the Workplace. Again, staggering statistic right there. And it's uh, the reason why everybody needs to get in touch with you. But Buki, you know, one of the things that we are, a, uh, we are a practical show, we like to give our listeners real advice. And one of the things that you talk about in the book, and frankly, you talk about wherever you go, and we'll get people in touch um, with you uh, through your website. And of course, the book is talking about some of the strategies, you call them multi-di- multi-directional strategies that staff can utilize to tackle some of that career stifling workplace bias. So essentially, what tips, what advice do you have for our listeners? Well, the number one piece of advice that I have, right, is that there is a multi-directional nature to workplace bias. That is, we have to accept that we're, we're all biased, which most people do. But what they don't accept is that there or acknowledge is that there's an, a multi-directional nature to it. That is, there are two, two forms and that can stifle people's careers and their business opportunities. But what people don't talk about is what I describe as reverse bias reverse bias and that's the second form of bias and that's when you misinterpret uh unfavorable or at least sensed unfavorable decisions towards you as driven by unconscious bias well that's actually your bias because that misinterpretation what's it based on well it's based on past experience hearsay a wider narrative about i guess the majority uh and um that cut to that, anchor to that, and that becomes your bias. So there are two forms of bias, right? Directional bias and reverse bias. If people can accept that, if people can accept that and unsubscribe from what I describe as a guilty perpetrator versus hapless victim model, that is, there are these people out there that look a certain way, walk and talk a certain way, they are the guilty perpetrator, and that these people out there who look a certain way, walk and talk a certain way, they are the hapless victim, right? If people can unsubscribe from that, because that's a one-way street view of unconscious bias, if they can accept the multidirectional nature, I can show them how to navigate it. Um, So it's very important that we accept this multidirectional nature of bias. But of course, people don't want to, especially majority members, because they don't want to seem unsympathetic Mm -hmm. to the equality cause. Absolutely. Buki, I want to make sure our listeners can get in touch with you and pick up a copy of the book. How can we do that? Yeah, the best place to get in touch with me is go to bookimasaku.com, right? That's the website. Uh, Alternatively, what I'd love your guys to do if they work in any size company is to take uh, Masaku's bias navigation test. And they can do that at biasnavigation.com. And this is free. And this will tell them to what extent uh, they have, uh, they are are tackling effectively uh, workplace bias in their organizations. Well, I certainly encourage all of our listeners to get in touch with you, bookingasaka.com. That's a great new read, and I look forward to having you back on. Bookie, we'll uh, we'll, quick break. We'll be right back and get down to business.
Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. This is a unique segment for me because I am joined by a celebrity. I'm joined by Steve Scheiner, the president and financial advisor at Will Save Financial, uh, located in Displains, but serving uh, so many folks, so many happy, happy folks. And we're going to talk all about it. Steve Scheiner is the president, again, Will Save Financial, and he is the host of uh, Protecting Your Assets with Steve Scheiman. Steve, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for joining us. Why, thanks. It's great to be here. Oh, my gosh. Um, so I love to get to know the person behind the microphone. You are really passionate about this. All it takes is anybody having a 30-second conversation with you to know that you're passionate about helping people, again, save. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll dive into that. You talk about it on the radio. How do you get interested in this line of work? Well, that's a great question. You know, what happened was when I was growing up, I, my dad was a hardworking entrepreneur. He was wealthy. He actually had over $6 million saved before the tech bubble crashed in 2000. And like a lot of people, when the tech phase was ramping up, he had a big fear of missing out, and he took some unnecessary risks. And you know what happened was when that tech bubble burst, he lost 90% of his life savings and he died just a couple of years later. I mean, it was a financially devastating thing for the family. It was an emotionally devastating thing for him. And then he left my mom behind, who lived another nine years with the constant fear, would she have enough money just to pay her bills, and how much would she have to rely on us kids? And those were two things that she never thought would ever happen, and they happened to her. So after um, he died and, and I had to help her get through life, I realized that there's not too many financial advisors that understand how to advise for people in retirement. And because of that, I started to learn and I became an expert in the field. And today we have over a thousand clients that we help protect and grow their wealth. Absolutely. Over a thousand clients and you've been helping clients protect assets since 2005, I believe. So I want to understand a little bit more about your, you and your team will save. Um, and so what do you do? And who is sort of that target, uh, target population of folks that you can best help in their uh, in their desire to, I guess, save? Yeah, I guess, I guess I would say that our main target audience is people five to 10 years outside of retirement, people that are going to retire in five to 10 years, and people that are already in retirement. And the funny thing is, when I, when I present things to people, once in a while, they say that they're too old. And that is absolutely not true. Uh, we, I have clients that are in their late 80s, clients that are in their 90s. So whatever age that you work, if protecting and growing your money, with protection being the number one uh, key motivator, we definitely help people. And I think we help people in a very nice, personable way. You sure do, because you have, uh, like you said, over a thousand clients and uh, you have uh, some very, very satisfied folks. All it takes is Googling uh, will save uh, financial for, uh, you know, to see some of those Google reviews and uh, some real li life stories where you've been able to help folks uh, again, save. Uh, and, and again, those are real clients. Um, Steve, these past few years have been interesting. Uh, the market has gone down, it's gone up, it's been all over the place. It's been a little bit of a roller coaster. 
Um, but you have been able to uh, weather that storm um, and uh, help clients that probably would have lost many, many tens of millions of dollars. So I'm just curious to get your perspective as we have this conversation in sort of the last, almost the last quarter of 2023, uh, your perspective of just watching this crazy world. And I, I don't know, do you have a crystal ball? And tell us, tell us your, the lens that, that Steve Scheiman and Will Save Financial looks at uh, the market with. That's a great question. I'm looking online every day for the crystal ball. I certainly haven't found one yet. <laughs> but what I believe is that right now we're living in the most uncertain world that we've ever seen. And yesterday was not as uncertain today. Today is more uncertain than it was yesterday, the week before, and the week before. So, and the year before. And what we believe is that at least part of your retirement money should be safe, protected, guaranteed, and insured so that you never have to worry about it. We create individual plans for all of our clients that can help them weather any kind of economic storm and that can help them never run out of money no matter how long they live. That's so important. That's exactly what all of our listeners are interested in. Um, and speaking of listeners, Steve, before we cut to break, um, you are no stranger to the AM560 dial, uh, no stranger to the listeners um, that may be tuning in to get down to business. Can you tell us a little bit about protecting your assets with Steve Scheinman? Well, protecting your assets, it's a unique radio show. It comes on at 8 a.m. on Saturday mornings on AM 560. If you miss it, you can listen to it wherever you get your podcast, or you can go to my website, www.willsave.com, and click on the podcast page, and there's over 200 uh, taped and recorded shows. You can listen to them at your leisure. They're always different. They're always educational, and they're always entertaining. <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, all of our listeners absolutely should uh, tune in again Saturday mornings at 8 to Protecting Your Assets, um, where you get uh, really uh, some, some free advice, some free advice from Steve Scheinman, who's been doing this since 2005 with over 1,000 clients, real clients that have posted Google reviews, some very, very happy folks, uh, folks with net worths between 100000 and $10 million. But we're going to continue our conversation with the one and only Steve Scheinman when we return from this very quick break, you can always get on my website, syklein.com, to download uh, our podcasts. And of course, speaking of podcasts, get on your favorite podcast app. Just search for Get Down to Business. Subscribe, rate, review, and share so you don't miss a single episode. We'll be right back with Steve Scheinman when we return on Get Down to Business. Hey, we're back on Get Down to Business. Uh, as always, get on my website, sykline.com. Subscribe, rate, review, and share on your favorite podcast app. I'm chatting with Steve Scheinman, who is the host of Protecting Your Assets with Steve Scheinman, which airs on AM560 uh, every Saturday at 8 a.m. Steve, I, I know our listeners have been taking copious notes, and uh, I loved uh, our conversation a few minutes ago about talking about the market. Um, Steve, you pride yourself, I know, on developing real relationships with your clients and prospective clients. You're, you're passionate about this. So, uh, Steve, tell us a little bit about how, uh, how folks that might be tuning in and might be intrigued by this conversation uh, might want to actually get in touch with you. So if you want to get in touch with me, what we're going to do right now is offer you a free, no-cost, no-obligation, no-pressure meeting 
with us to help you chart your retirement path future. In order to qualify, you've got to have 100000 or more saved for retirement. So to get the process started, all you have to do is call 833-945-7283. You can ask for a callback or even easier, listen to this. You can text your email address to 833-945-7283. If you do that, we're going to send you a video series where you can get to know us better and you'll get to know how the meeting process works. It's really a great opportunity to learn more about the company and how we work before you even have to commit to a meeting. So if you want to do that, text your email address to 833-945-7283. You can always visit the website, www.willsave.com. There's a live chat agent there 24 hours a day, seven days a week ready to answer your questions. So I look forward to um, speaking with you guys if uh, what I'm saying makes sense to you. Absolutely. I mean, Steve, that, that's awesome. And uh, that is, I, I was about to, to ask you about that. What, what differentiates you from, I'll be honest, there's a lot of other folks that, you know, that promise, uh, again, helping people save for uh, retirement. Um, but you just, you just said it. I mean, the ability to have that, uh, that, that free, no cost sort of meeting and consultation that is a big deal. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, as we've been saying, there, there's a lot of folks that are out there. Um, and uh, your office is in Des Plaines, is that right? Right. It's in Des Plaines on River Road. It's actually just off the 294 exit at Dempster. It's pretty easy to get to from no matter where you're at. And, and, and Steve, I mean, in this uh, day and age uh, of, you know, so much going virtual, uh, it's interesting. I find it, I find it absolutely awesome that folks want to, you know, that, that, that you're able to sit down because when you're talking about, even for that hundred thousand, which I know is at the low end of, of what you deal with a hundred thousand for, for folks saving for retirement, that's a lot of money, isn't it? And, and so having having that, the real in-person conversation, uh, and really understanding your client's needs are awesome. We've got about a minute remaining. And I, I'm just curious, Steve, if you can close this out by sharing a you know, a story, a success story, somebody that you worked with, obviously without names and, 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 and why they're, why you have so many satisfied clients. I have so many success stories, honestly, people making sure that their money is guaranteed and safe and it's going to accomplish their goals. The way that I create success is that I get to know our clients first, what their needs and goals are, what they have to work with, and then we define a custom plan especially built for them. Because it's custom to each person, there's so many success stories, and our plans have guarantees and they're insured, so nobody has the risk of losing or running out of money. Fantastic. Well, Steve, I'm so glad that we've had you on. I look forward to having you back on Get Down to Business many, many more times. One more time, can you show your website and phone number? So the phone number, 833-945-7283. You can text your email address there. We'll send you a video series so that you can get to know us better and how the meeting process works before you even come in. And the the website is www.willsave.com. There's a live chat agent there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Fantastic. Steve Scheinman, thanks so much for joining us. That's a wrap for us this week on Get Down to Business. What great conversations to success. Let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next time at 6 p.m. right here on AM 560, The Answer.